Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, sitting on the other side of the microphone with oh, me, my goodness. the other Dr. Mintel, my here husband, we Norm. Are. We're together, and every weekend <laughs> we are together, and we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. We sure are. Thank you, and welcome, everybody. Today, we're tackling a very difficult but very common life experience. What do we do when God seems, get it? Silent. Silent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. For many Christians, there's often a struggle to know the voice of God, to recognize it, and to understand what is His will for me. So we thought we'd explore these matters and perhaps encourage you a little bit on the way. You know, if you've lived life long enough as a person of faith, Norm, you know, for any period of time, you're going to have one of these dark nights of the soul mm-hmm. that you sometimes hear that phrase. And in fact, books have been written on that topic dating back to really the early church. Well, one of my heroes, St. John of the Cross, a medieval Christian who became a Carmelite monk during the 1500s, wrote a book on this topic and he called it The Dark Night of the Soul, from whence, of course, we use that phrase. When he was helping Teresa of Avila reform their monastic order in Spain, he endured persecution and imprisonment for his efforts. In that book, he describes an intense period of depression and the annihilation, that's what he called it, Mm -hmm. of his ego as he discovered to recognize and embrace closeness to God through his struggles in the darkness. And you know, you and I went to Avila. And we saw where that Spanish nun, Teresa, lived and worked in Spain. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting, wasn't it? I loved it. But we learned in that trip that her health collapsed and she was an invalid for three years. It was during that time that she developed a love for prayer and eventually underwent a spiritual awakening and worked to bring reform to her order. She did. She's one of my all-time favorite saints in the ancient church. And as a result of her work in ministry, she also experienced hostility, bad health, as you mentioned, and persecution during the Spanish Inquisition. Yet, guided by the Holy Spirit, she persevered in her work to reform the church as you said, through prayer, and I'll add, obedience. So that term, dark night of the soul, is used to describe our journey sometimes during difficult, painful, and significant transitions in life. You know, it reminds me of a concept a little bit, not the same exactly, but one that I teach to medical students, Norm. It's called demoralization. Hmm. It's a clinical syndrome different than depression, but it's characterized by distress and subjective feelings of incompetence when someone loses meaning and purpose in their life. They don't feel supported. They feel trapped or failed. Basically, there's just a real feeling of hopelessness. Wow. So while we know that there are times in life when depression and demoralization, to use your word, or even feeling alone and isolated happen, we'd like to shed light on and in 
perhaps provide ways for you to walk through those times and come out successfully? You know, basically, we're talking about a time of spiritual depression, really, for a lot mm. of people that involves struggle, it involves pain, and you might be struggling with your faith right now because you feel that maybe God is silent towards you. And even the strongest Christians and people of faith throughout the ages have gone through these times of darkness. Look at David as he wrote in the Psalms. There are times he didn't sleep, he didn't eat, he was growing weak. Today, we know those as the Psalms of lament that he wrote. You know, that's a great point, because we do tend to think of David as a man after God's own heart. We, We think of him as this spiritual giant, but so often he poured out his heart to God and asked for help. His cries are intense. You can hear the desperation in his voice, in his you know words when sure, he's writing. Sure. Times like those are just painful, and they can last days. They can sometimes last years for people. Yeah. So first, we want you to know you're not alone. You're in good company with David and Job and a lot of other people in the Bible, and it may feel that way. But as long as you belong to a body, the church body, oftentimes, and you certainly belong to the living God, you are not alone. And it's normal to wonder, why is this happening? I think that's the biggest Mm -hmm. question. Is there purpose to this silence? Why am I going through this pain? And often we we can look back and we can see that something really important happened or we learned some type of lesson in life. And, you know, this pain and this trial was something we maybe was helpful to us, right? Sure, sure. But at the time, (laughs) it's just you can get lost in that perspective and just feel like, you're alone. So true. The happy times in life rarely bear as much fruit or spiritual growth as the times when we're struggling, when we're desperate, especially when they become so painful. And it's when we feel isolated and alone that no one wants to feel that God is going to be away from them or silent from them. Where are you? I know. It's almost like God goes AWOL. It's kind of how I think of it sometimes when I'm in those periods, and I wonder, like, I'm desperate, God. I want to hear your voice, and it, I'm not hearing anything right. during that time. And as we know, Romans 8.28 is true. All things, including the bad ones, can be used for our good. But I, I used to say, <laughs> I used to say this when I would hear people talk about this, Norm. I don't want that kind of testimony. <laughs> I don't want to go. Let me learn now, God, right, right. and not go through those difficult times. Have, yeah, I don't right. want to have to report how, how you showed up at the last oh, minute. <laughs> it's so hard when this happens. Even though it feels like things will never change when God seems silent, we must remember this. It's not permanent. Yeah, exactly. Even when we know the circumstances will eventually change, we also have to recognize, though, in that time period that that pain is really valid. Mm-hmm. We may have told this story before, but it speaks to our response to difficulty. You remember Martin Luther, during all the intensity following his debates about Christian reform, he became quite discouraged. And in fact, at one point, he was even unresponsive. His wife, Catherine, was worried and then tired of his ongoing depression. So she... So it's kind of humorous. So she dressed in black mourning clothes. And then, of course, her husband, Luther, said, who died? And Catherine's response was, I think it must be God. (laughs) Luther got the message and stopped acting like God had died. That's quite a tactic, isn't it? (laughs) Trusting it. Now, now that wouldn't take a lot of people out of it, probably so easily, but it did work for him. And uh, what she was doing was she was trying to get him really refocused, Right. right? So God wasn't silent, or he wasn't even dead. He's not dead. 
He's alive, whether we feel it or not. Boy, isn't that something That's we it. have to remind ourselves of today? Because it's all about what we feel. All about feelings. But he's there, regardless of what you feel. And during those times, we can pray with the biblical writers who were acquainted with this struggle, like we talked about, like someone like David, who says in Psalm 83, Oh God, do not keep silent. Well, that's pretty direct, Norm. There you go. He's telling God not to keep silent. Do not hold your peace or be still. Oh, God, or as Job said, I cry to you for help and you do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. Wow. Just because he's silent, though, it doesn't mean he's not working. And we have to remind ourselves of those biblical examples or it becomes easy to grow bitter, maybe even hateful, or maybe even completely give up the faith. But the goal is to love God, trust Him, and hold fast to Him despite His silence and our pain. And don't be afraid to admit that you're struggling with it, but to rely on the promises of God that He is with us, He will never leave us. Those speak, those scriptures that say He will never leave us, He'll never forsake us, those speak to our soul even when we don't feel that way. I think the hardest part when He's silent and we're waiting and wondering, how long is this going to last? Well, we're in good company with that question too, Norm, because David writes that very, those very words. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Hmm. I mean, that sounds like a, a pretty desperate person, right? Mm-hmm. Well, David sums it up for us pretty nicely, doesn't he? We can all relate to it. How long will my prayers appear? not to be answered. And how long do I wait for this job or a new partner in life or a baby or a cure for this illness? It's easy to lose patience. We're used to fixing things and finding answers and doing both of them very quickly. Boy, I can wait. I can relate to this. And I know we've told our story on the show many times, waiting seven years to have a child and not knowing if it was ever going to happen. It had me asking almost every single month, how long, Lord? Mm -hmm. How long do I have to continue to do this? I honestly, Norm felt very forgotten by God. I watched all the other people in my infertility group become pregnant, and then there I was, the only one still infertile. And it felt like God had left, or it felt like He didn't care about me. Mm -hmm. And when I prayed, nothing. And I prayed every day and often. So I really had to fight through that silence. It reminded me of an experience I had as a child. A bunch of us were playing hide-and-seek, but unbeknownst to me, my friends had gotten bored with the game, Norm, and they stopped playing. Oh, that's cruel. But no one had found me, and I felt (laughs) forgotten, as if my friends didn't care enough to find me. And sometimes I think we attribute that to God. I think so. I think waiting is so difficult, but Isaiah reminds us that those who wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Well, honestly, I did feel weary and weak. I endured only because of the Lord. It came down to this. You either trust or you give up on God. And if you wait on Him, like Isaiah says, you will realize that He is God and you are not. And all things are in His timing. And so often silence is all about timing. God is working in us, around us, in ways we can't fathom. But He's not bound by our time our clocks. He created time. And in his version of our timeline, he's already acted. Sometimes that's difficult to comprehend. Well, 2 Peter 3, 8, 9 tells us, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, 
as some understand slowness. <laughs> well, I have trouble with slowness, <laughs> understanding slowness. In, this is still from the, the word. Instead, he is patient with you. And I can honestly say that there are times when it feels like a thousand days, right? right. A day. Right. It sure does. And no matter what we wait for, God's concept of timing is rarely ours, like we said before. But we know it's perfect. I know there are some of you listening who may need to be reminded of that and be encouraged. Well, speaking of timing, sorry, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more on the Dr. Linda Mental Show right after this. The other night, I had an interesting conversation with friends at dinner. We were talking about the idea that Bible stories were not just nice stories, but they were there to help us relate to difficulties when they come. Now, I know this wasn't exactly a new thought. I know we know this. But how often do we think about what we are going through and actually place our life stories in the context of those Bible stories? So here's what we did. We took turns and we related a current issue that we were each having to a specific Bible story. Then we used those stories to encourage one another. So for example, one of my friends had a relationship with his boss that felt a lot like David's relationship with Saul. One moment the boss was praising him and giving him assignments. The next moment, the fiery spears would fly. Like David, he trusted God for his tomorrow. He often wondered about the timing of God's intervention, but trusted that God was working on his behalf and the plans God had for him were good. Another friend related to Joseph. She was in a job, unappreciated, and felt thrown to the side while others ascended and were promoted. She could really relate to being in the prison of neglect and rejection, hoping and praying that the king, the boss, would remember her and release her from false charges that caused the rejection. Like Joseph, she believed God would restore what was lost. By the end of the dinner, we were laughing and smiling. Life may have thrown us a few curves, but we were determined to react to those curves like the people of faith who went before us. So the next time you need a little encouragement, hey, grab that Bible storybook and think about the lessons we teach our children. Those stories aren't just for kids. They can really encourage us, too. We welcome you back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Today, we're talking about something I think everyone has experienced at some point in life, times when God seems silent. But before we get back to that conversation, let me remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. There you'll find blogs, books, and you can always connect with her through social media. An easy way to know what she's writing about each day is to follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Linda Mental or on Facebook at Dr. Linda Mental author and speaker. So back to our conversation, Linda, we're talking about waiting. Say some more about the waiting. Oh, when it comes to silence, I think God is patient even when we aren't. <laughs> Good thing, huh? You know, Jesus had to wait until his time. That's right. Isn't that right? That's in the scripture? Mm -hmm. And he kept reminding those around him. My time has not come. Yeah, yeah. he had to say that. Um, and they were trying to push him into doing his ministry too quickly. Yeah, his mom was one of those. Right. <laughs> and think of the time when Lazarus died. Jesus came late on purpose. I know. He had been in the grave for four days. Jesus made his friends wait for his arrival. They thought his timing meant he had missed the opportunity to heal his friend or that he didn't care. 
But actually, he was intentional about his delay because when he raised Lazarus from the dead, it revealed his glory and showed how he would be the resurrection and the life for all of us. Well, that's such a, a good thing to think about mm. because we can totally relate to the friends who thought, that's it. Yep. It's too late. It didn't happen. And then, Norm, there was Abraham who had to wait many, many years before God opened the womb of his barren wife, Sarah, and his son Isaac was born. And remember, he was promised, you're going to have many descendants. Right. God spoke to him, but it didn't look like anything was happening for a very long time on that promise. And you know, he was 100 years old when Isaac was finally born. <laughs> and then don't forget that even later, Abraham climbed Mount Moriah to sacrifice that one and only son. And most likely, on the way up, he was desperately praying and hoping God would say something to stop him. But God didn't. He was silent. And then in the New Testament, we remember Paul begged God on three different occasions to release him from suffering, or at least to explain it. And again, nothing. Boy, and I love this story. In Daniel 10, Daniel was waiting for three weeks for God to answer. When he finally did, an angel told him the reason for the delay, God had already sent his answer and the moment he heard Daniel's prayer. But the angel was waylaid by intense spiritual warfare in the heavens for 21 days. He was even forced to enlist the archangel Michael to help win the battle. <laughs> you know, we're not very good at waiting, are we? No, and the, he couldn't see any of that. He couldn't. He had he no idea. He didn't know idea. what was going on. In no. his case, he was told right. what happened. Now, in Job's case, that didn't happen. Right. He didn't know. Well, we live in a culture that promises immediate and instantaneous results, and we wouldn't have done well in the Old Testament. We don't do well now. I'm telling you, I'm embarrassed to say this, but recently I had to wait for a fast food order for 20 minutes. And I had all kinds of negative (laughs) thoughts about what was going on. I was not patient in that exchange. And, you know, this is because we're trained and conditioned in today's world to be impatient, to get things when we want them. We want instant. We don't want to wait. And we certainly don't like to have silence in the process. I'm not good at the stoplight when someone doesn't go when it turns green. It's true. <laughs> we, we're, we're bad at We should do a show on patience. Have yeah. we ever done that? Mm, I, mm, I don't know. We should do one of those. But you know what? Waiting can also be lonely. I know mm. how alone you felt while you waited for pregnancy. And we can feel alone when healing doesn't come mm-hmm. or nothing seems to be moving in our directions. The doors aren't opening. Boy, and that's why we have to stay open, expectant, and always ready, even when we don't see evidence of God working or speaking. I mean, obviously, waiting grows our faith. It builds our character. It keeps hope alive, so much so that Psalm seventeen fourteen tells us to wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart. And here's the emphasis by repetition, wait for the Lord. Yeah, David repeated it. Andrew Murray, a a missionary leader known for his devotional readings, said in his book, Waiting on God, it is God's Spirit who has begun the work in you to learn to wait on Him. He will enable you to wait. Waiting continually will be met and rewarded by God Himself, who is always working. You know, that's true. He does enable us to wait, and He does deep work during our waiting. So when we don't hear, we need to keep showing up day after day and meditate on His Word and encourage ourselves. Let's look at a couple more verses. I find these encouraging. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His Word I hope. Psalm 130, verse 5. 
Here's another one from Psalm 27. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's do one more. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And that's from Lamentations. No, you notice we we titled this episode when God seems silent. Mm-hmm. God doesn't stop being a part of our life when he is silent. He doesn't go away or punish us. I think from the lessons from Job, we need to understand that despite all the questions that Job asked, God was silent. Mm-hmm. But behind the scenes, there was a whole lot going on in terms of the master plan for Job's life. That's true. In the story of Job, as you're mentioning, God didn't explain the meaning of his very intense sufferings. He allowed the mystery and Job to learn to accept all that came his way, even though he didn't understand. God didn't reveal everything to Job, and he doesn't reveal everything to us today. Our perspective is just limited. You know, which brings us back to the central point here, our response to silence and how we're going to deal with that when we're being tested in that response. And we need to just keep walking in faith and obedience, even when God does seem to be silent. You know, for me, trust is synonymous with another word that we don't like, patience. Mm. Silence involves trust, even when we don't fully understand the whys. But we sure do know the who. That's good. And, And knowing the who is what we long for. We want connection with God. We long for that connection. So when we reach out and there is silence, it's like losing your Wi-Fi connection, Norm. You know, <laughs> it's like that's you good. can't, like, where is God right. when you do that? And that's when we wonder, is he really there? Does he care? Has he turned his back on me? And the one thing we have to avoid in that thinking is that God is like some other person. Hmm. You know, people do let us down. They do sure. go AWOL. Uh, the Wi-Fi connection doesn't work all the time. But what we, what, and, and we sometimes we think, what do we do to make God angry at us or upset at us because he isn't speaking? But we have to realize he's there. Right. And we don't want to think of God's silence like any other human emotional reaction. It's likely very likely, that his silence is intentional for reasons that we don't yet understand. As I've often said, we can't see around the corner looking at the future. That's right. So it all boils down to trusting God when we feel silence. When we trust, we don't have to hear his voice. Push through your doubt when God is silent. He's still there. He may be cultivating a great dependence Mm. on him, This is what the great pillars of the faith have taught us in Hebrews 11. Yeah, that's good. Consider this when you ponder God's silence. Are you really listening? Sin can sometimes make us deaf to his voice. Or are you ready to hear? Maybe he's ready and we're not tuned in. Or maybe it's not time for the word to be fulfilled. Habakkuk says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And boy, Norm, I held on to that promise Mm -hmm. for many, many years. So a caution I hear in all of this is that we should resist the temptation to try and make things happen ourselves because we're impatient. Oh, boy. And if we just look at the stories of what happens when people move ahead of God, it's not good. No. When God gives his word, just wait for it. He is faithful to complete his good work in you. And we have to trust that his word is true and be obedient. I once had a boss who often said, and I've said this many times since, pray like everything depends on God, act like everything depends on you. Now that's good balance. 
So as we close out the show, you have an excerpt of a passage written by Christy Walker from her book, Disappointment. It kind of summarizes what we've been talking about. It really does. And so I hope Christy doesn't mind that we read from her book. It's really good. She says, From the valley, I look up to the mountains and say, Why, God? Why do I have to be down here instead of up there? I've been down here for so long. And into the silence, he speaks, if I'm willing to be silent enough to listen. I want to take you to the mountaintop, but you are not yet ready. The climb is hard and steep, and you must train a little while longer. This valley is preparing you. Suffering and waiting produce the necessary perseverance, character, and hope that you will need to get to the top, without which you would certainly fail. Trust me, it seems to you too long, but it is a necessary amount of time. My timing is perfect. I have not forgotten you. I see your faithfulness and your struggle. I appreciate your honesty. I am with you always, and soon, when you are ready, we will stand on the summit together. And when you look back down on that valley, you will finally understand. So stay strong when God seems silent. He is always working on your behalf. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes the show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Doing life together. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.